You're listening to DraftKings Network. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. I am Allison Lucan, and as always, I am joined by the nationally respected and educating our youth, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you? Tell the people where you are and what you're doing today. I am at Penn State University. I'm with Emily Kaplan, and we both went there, obviously, and we're kind of spending the day talking to the youth about what it's like to cover hockey and the NHL after graduation, and it's been awesome. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I haven't been back since I dropped out, so this is fun. Well, they couldn't learn from anyone better than the two of you. And if you haven't already, Sarah's style rankings, the latest edition, the original, the undefeated style rankings are out week three or episode three, I guess I should say. Make sure you read those. Check them out. Um, we love that. I hear there might be another TV appearance coming up for style rankings somewhere. They we'll tease might. that and we'll let it go. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Well, of course, we would not be too many men if we didn't have the nationally focused, locally brilliant, and ever kind Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. You guys crushed hi. it on, uh, what did it release Tuesday? Tuesday. Monday, yeah, that was it, was, it was excellent. I listened to it for the first time, not on mute. First time ever. The Two Minute Man has actually gone through my speakers, and I was so hyped, and I was laughing and taking notes along the way, like, I have to clip this. It was so good. You had just one, you had one point of feedback for us, though, and you you, you shared this later in the episode as well, but you had one point of feedback. What were you disappointed in, Shayna? You guys barely fucking cursed. <laughs> I, I thought I held down the fort. You, you know what I respected when you guys were doing the Fuck, Mary Kill, and you were talking about Bennington? When you went off him, I was just like, yes. Like, there we go. <laughs> He's like the running joke now here. Uh, like Rich comes in from a hockey game. I think I told you guys this. He came in and he was like sour grapes. I'm like, wow, the big loser energy. He's like, don't call me Jordan Finnington. And now his friends and me are all like taunting him if he has a bad game. Like, don't do it. Don't be Amazing. him. Amazing, amazing. Well, as we have told you all um, from time to time, we're going to be bringing you special guests. And this week we're doing that again. Um, we are going to be joined by Lisa Dillman, and she is just an incredible person. I talk a little bit more about what she has meant to me and, and all that she does um, when we kick off this interview. But before we go straight to that, Sarah, just share what's what Lisa has meant to you and, and just how important she's been to this industry, not just in hockey, but in sports in general. Yeah, not only is she a trailblazer in many ways, and she covers a lot of sports and always has, but I think she's just such a, it's hard. Me and Emily were talking about this to the youth today too. It's like, it's hard as a woman in sports getting into the industry because people are all, even if they don't even mean to be, like especially women, we compete with each other, right? And it's like, there's only so many spaces. So some people might, not be the warmest, but she's like a warm, friendly smile always while being absolutely kick-ass at her job. And she's done so many 
different things and she just takes them all like a champ. So she's just somebody to look up to for sure. Amazing. Shana, what was your favorite part of the interview and, and what and just describe how you see Lisa and, and what she's meant to, to all of us? Yeah, Lisa's like such a well-known name and well-respected name in the industry and like for every single reason, you know, she's brilliant, she's creative, she's done it all and she's so helpful for all of us. She's And she's also one of the nicest people around, which like is also like so nice because sometimes it does feel like people get so competitive where women are like pinned against each other because it's like, well, we can only have one friend that's a woman in hockey because, you know, we don't have the time of day. And, you know, she's just always like gracious with her time and everything and, you know, so much fun to work with too. So uh, with the interview, I I just liked hearing her take on where hockey is today about like player personalities and, you know, learning more about this Ducks team because we do have East Coast bias. So I'm glad like we get to emphasize the West a little bit more. And like, I love that you're out West too, because I know you're someone who like, you get up at like the ass crack of dawn so you don't stay up super late. And now it's like, well, it's normal time for you. It's perfect. It is perfect. It is perfect. I'm still getting up at the ass crack of dawn and it's I don't know why. I don't, okay. You're like getting up when I'm are. getting up and you're three hours delayed. I don't fucking get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends, um, without further ado, uh, we will be back next Tuesday with a whole hockey-filled podcast. But we're going to talk some hockey here, too, with our very good friend and esteemed, esteemed colleague, Lisa Dillman. Check it out. All right, my friends. Well, as promised, we are just beyond thrilled to welcome to Too Many Men an industry legend, uh, someone who's been a mentor and a role model. I know to me, if not to all three of us, um, we are just so excited that Lisa Dillman is here with us. She has written for NHL.com. She's written for The Athletic. She's written for the LA Times. She's currently writing about the Anaheim Ducks um, and the NHL for the Orange County Register. She's covered Stanley Cups. She covered tennis. She does it all. She's a wizard. She's a genius. I need to stop talking so we hear from her. Lisa, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for that fabulous introduction. I'm unfortunately I can't get my camera to work so you can't see me blushing here, but um, I did want to point something out. Since Sarah is at Penn State, I actually, I looked through the archives. I covered one Penn State football game in 1998. Oh my God. Which one was it? Citrus Bowl. Okay. Okay. That's fun. What ended up happening? It didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. <laughs> but I, I wrote about Joe Paterno and Steve Spurrier and, 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 and their unlikely friendship. And uh, oh my God, it's like, wow, I can't even remember writing this. You have truly done it all. That's the only Penn State football game I've ever covered. So I guess my I can just stop right there. Otherwise, uh, that, that, that's probably enough for my, my, my one afternoon in, Orla in Orlando. <laughs> uh, do any of you even remember that game? <laughs> no, I do. I, I do. You definitely do. Your husband went to. My husband definitely does. I'm sure he oh, could give us a recount of everything. He's a Penn State alum as well and diehard Penn State fan. But now we've already given Penn State way too much airtime on this yeah. hockey okay. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> as we do. As we do. Um, Lisa, you have just you've covered this sport in every which way and for significant amounts of time and a couple different teams just share with us what are what are you interested in what's happening in the league overall right now what's changing what's evolving in the game of hockey that you see well uh, first of all i'll talk a little bit about the the off ice issues and what i'm seeing happen happening with players maybe because i read sarah's story this morning and uh, was thrilled to see max jones rocketing up the up the charts with his uh, 
you know, his, his, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but <laughs> his swagger, his, his look. <laughs> and, uh, but I think I, I, one of the things that's been very frustrating all these years is knowing that these players have personality and it's been lurking there underneath the surface and they just need the chance to show it. Um, I don't know what it is, but the NHL, much more than any other sport, is is always, you know, for better or worse, been about the team, the team, the team, the team. Nobody wants to put themselves about the team, but that has sort of led to a little bit of suppression of personality that that you know is there. And uh, one of the very, very frustrating things during the pandemic was was that lack of interaction, that one on one time that, where you got to know these guys. And and that's what let's face it, that's what we want to do. We want to bring these guys to life. Um, the no, more people know about them, you know, they can embrace their personalities. What are the guys on the Ducks like? I know that's a new team for you. Fantastic. Fantastic. For, for a team that is struggling and just, well, they have yet to win a game in regulation. So that, that's kind of where they're at. They're like the kings of <laughs> overtime, 3-0 in overtime. But they, it's, it's the probably the best room I've covered in years i was almost going to say decades but you know sometimes when something's new that's at the forefront you think it's the best and and whatnot but um you know when you start when you start with trevor zegers and you go from there that's just such a terrific head start um it, it's a fantastic room kevin shattenkirk is, is is a professional just just gets it some of the younger players i you know i'm like basically i'm, I'm like their mom's age so but they're all completely cool with that um Jamie Drysdale, who had shoulder surgery, um, you know, I, I went to a function where somebody thrust a baby into his hands, and and I said, "Hey, is it okay if I take your picture?" He's, sure, go ahead. Um, so they're 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 natural. Um, the, the Ducks organization's always been an organization with big personalities. You know, going back to Tim Solani, who I just saw at the Hall of Fame ceremonies over the weekend, and it, it's just gone from there. You know, Chris Pronger. So they they've kind of got it more than than most teams, and and they have a it can sound like I'm curring favor, but they have a fantastic PR staff. And Sarah, Sarah knows Steve Brown. What do you think it is about the Ducks? Like, I think from an outsider's perspective, we get to learn a lot about their personality, which we don't see from a lot of teams. Like, what is it that the Ducks are doing right? Or is it just that it's, you know, this next wave of young players with strong personalities? Yeah, I, I think they're they're a little bit allowed to, to show it more. Um, when, when I covered the Kings, their, their former general manager, Dean Lombardi, who's sort of this mad scientist, uh, he... He didn't like he, he was a little bit old school in the sense he didn't want the rookies to be overexposed. Like he didn't really want a lot of promotion of of, of the younger players. And um thankfully Drew Doughty slipped through that weird prism of, of of strangeness and and has been allowed to be himself. Um and I'm sure from time to time the organization's like, oh my God, what did he just say? What's he gonna do next? Um, the Kings, like that's the other team I've covered the, the most over. They've been a little more uh, tight with their their players, um, but I, I do see signs of that opening up. Um, unfortunately, you know, Alex Turcott has had just a, a, a horrible start to his career in terms of you know medical situations and concussion issues. And and I thought he was like a, not quite like Zegris, but I thought he was like a mini Zegris. So I thought to myself, finally, hey, they're they're, they're getting a, a big personality. And Quentin Byfield's a, a big personality as well. A mini Zegris. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Lisa, when you look at a player like Zegris, you know, it's there were a lot of people who kind of reacted that Sonny Milano didn't stay with Anaheim. And, you know, when you look at a player like him, what has to, as this team is building, what has to be around him for this team to ultimately get back to a place where it's contending? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the pieces are there. They're, they're in 
gradually being put in place. Um, you know, you, you just look at the, the decor. It's it's like a lot of guys that are being pushed into levels above really where they should be. You have a bunch of guys that like are five and six playing up the depth chart. And, and also they've been ravaged with injuries. Um, but I, I do think that they, they had a pretty successful offseason Um you know, Ryan Strom, Frank Fatano, John Klinberg's finally sort of starting to find his form. Um, but I think all it does is take a few extra supplemental pieces and keeping that core in place. And, and you know, you could always play the what if game. Like I, I wasn't covering the team last season, but I always wonder what had happened if they had managed to keep Hampus Lindholm on the fold. And I, and I know Sarah's very happy he's in Boston, but. He's been incredible. The whole team has, Dynamite. he's really been one of the best, if not the best defenseman. It's so low key. Like you wouldn't expect that. Super low key, and he's the guy is the guy's a force. I mean, he's a strong kid, and and you know you saw I covered him quite a bit in his early years in Anaheim, and they had this fantastic young decor with, with Josh Manson and Brandon Montour, so they had the pieces there. Um, made some moves that really did not work out, but I, I wonder where they would be if they if they if they had a Hampus Lindholm on the team. Uh, what if, um, speaking of early years, I kind of wanted to ask about yours and how you think, like, I'm always so interested in about like, what was the locker room like for a woman back in your early years? How has it changed? Has it changed at all? Like any stories about that? Can you three, can we all gather around the fireplace? And <laughs> yeah, about, like, like, my typewriter? That is, that is the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I love about Sarah. So many things. I just love how you do like to hear those stories because sometimes I run into people and they, they could give like, okay, you said I can swear. They could give a shit. Like, like they're like, oh, get, get away. I don't want to hear any of these stories. We want them all. But, well, we used to, like, when I first started covering the Kings, you know, Wayne Gretzky was on the team, and the team in the early days flew commercial. And sometimes I would be on the same flight. So you'd be traipsing through O'Hare, and the guys would be there with their, and this is really going back, they'd be sitting there reading the newspaper. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> now you get on a plane, and no one has a newspaper in their hands. But we were around the, these guys a lot. Um, there were probably two or three of us that traveled with them on the road and and you, you guys know this being on the road with the team just changes everything they, they sort of see you maybe not as part of the team certainly not at all but but they see you around and there's just that built-in um recognition factor um the the rooms the rooms I, the room has always been excellent i mean i think the players the players um compared to a few other sports that I've covered have, have like I've rarely had a situation where i felt uncomfortable over over a long period of time um but the, the relationships were a little bit different. Um, you know, you could you could really get to know a player back in the day. Um, even even back to 2007, I, I went out to lunch with Dustin Brown and sat and chatted with him for a couple hours. And um, I, I really can't see that happening now, maybe with the Ducks, but probably not with the Kings. So where do you think, since you've covered all different sports, you know, we love tennis, there's baseball, there's soccer, hockey. Like, where do you think the NHL is like ahead of the curve, you know, it, from your perspective, and where do you think they fall short to the other leagues you've covered? That's a really good question. Um, I, I do think they fall short um, in terms of, of the NBA, definitely, because I did the Clippers for three seasons, and and um, some of the, the best viewing was watching the, the TNT show with Charles and company, and I got to meet him a couple times, and he's <laughs> awesome. Um, and you, you obviously can't take, you can't copy completely from what basketball does, but it seems like it seems like hockey is trying to, to, you know, get the studio panel a little bit, lighten up a little bit and uh, add different elements. 
And, and I think there's still, I, I think another problem is there's all this confusion about television. Like, how do we get to see the games? You know, I was in Canada and I ran into all these people up there and, and people even in the industry saying, well, how do I get this? Like, I'm blacked mm-hmm. out here. I can't get the Valley Sports app. I can't do this. I can't do that. What's Hulu? Yeah. <laughs> so that's where that's where I think hockey is, is a little bit behind. I think hockey is probably ahead of, of some of the other sports in terms of the acceptance of analytics. It, it may not seem that way. But I think they're a lot further ahead than than not like the other major professional sports. But I sort of see it creeping into other individual sports. Lisa, I've, it's funny. I'm owning my own bias, but now that I'm out on the, in Pacific time, I notice how much this division in the NHL just doesn't truly get paid attention to, whether it's people that are asleep and we're just looking at scores and we're not really understanding what went on at the game. But do you think that well, we, I think the East Coast bias is real, but what is your perspective on how that impacts the understanding and the appreciation for the teams that are all, quote unquote, all the way out here? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And you do have that benefit of having lived in different time zones. And then when I was in Toronto last weekend, and it's like, you know, start trying to stay awake for the, you know, the end of the Kings game on you know, other night. Um, so, so when I say a Hampus Lindholm comes to like Boston, people are like, Oh my God, this, this guy's a great player. Where's he been? Well, he's been, he's been out in the West coast and then, you know, playing when you've been, you know, sleeping away. So I, I think, I think there is a constant fight that way. And, and we sort of do live through that when, especially when we travel and, you know, we're trying to stay up late and, and watch games too. So I, I think there's players that are criminally underrated. Like, like I, I think, I would really like to take a poll uh, and see what people think of, of Troy Terry, because once you start watching him, you're like, wow, this guy's even better than I thought he was. Why is that? Just the things he does, the, the small things he does, like he outmuscled Victor Hedman and he won a puck battle behind the net. You know, the little things you see away from the camera. So there's that part of it being in the building as opposed to watching on television. And he's he's. I wouldn't say he's the anti-Zegris because he's really open and analytical and thoughtful, but he's not, uh, he's certainly not uh, a larger than life personality. He's, he's really intelligent, but he doesn't necessarily um, go for promoting himself too much. Yeah. I remember when I was covering Penn state hockey, he was on Denver and he just made my life a living hell. Like I was a fan, I was allowed to be a fan of Penn state and covering the team. Cause I was a student and he just would score a hat trick every single time against that team. And he ruined our playoff hopes. So I have seen him in his college days and I'm glad it's, it's progressed to the NHL. But at the same time, it's like you're with all these younger players now. And like, we're so hard on them, I feel, like, as the media, if they aren't good in their first year. I know Troy has had kind of, like, up and down. Like, what, have you watched these guys kind of progress as they're getting older? Yeah, I have. And, you know, he's, you, you think he's been around a lot longer. You're thinking, okay, when's it going to happen? But the development curve is so different for all these players. And, like, you know, people are calling, you know, Quentin By. Well, okay, let's talk about Gabe Velarde. People were calling him a bust, and look what he's done this year. And, and the other guy had a serious back injury, and you know, went through the pandemic and up and down between the AHL. So it does take a, a long time, and and fans and, and even certain sectors of the media demand instant results. I'm sorry, not everybody's Connor, not everybody's Austin. It's just not happening. And players of that status have sort of, I wouldn't say they spoiled it for everybody, but they've raised the bar. So people are like, well, well, Quentin Byfield, how come he's not, you know, doing this? How come he's not doing that? So the expectations are, are really outsized, I think. 
So with the Ducks just playing the Red Wings, it's kind of interesting. Like we see two rebuilding teams. Where do you think the Ducks have gone right so far? And what do you think they still have to do to turn the next corner and like take those steps to get back to the playoff picture? Well, I think they're going to have to figure out what what to do with John Gibson. And then, you know, I keep going back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> but what do, what do they do with him? And, and in terms of, you know, he's saying all the right things. Sometimes his body language is a little... Um, you, you kind of wonder about that. And of course, if I was facing a gazillion shots every night, I wouldn't be too thrilled either. Um, so I think they're going to have to kind of sort that out and see, you know, what he wants long-term, you know, he, how long will he be on board with the rebuild? Because let's face it, you know, these rebuilds, you know, people, people demand it, but then when they actually go through it, it, it uh, there's a certain level of impatience. And, and even like with Detroit, Detroit has shown signs of taking major steps forward, but then they, they have a game like last night. So uh, I don't know what the reaction was there this morning, but it, it's not an upward curve. Um, so sometimes these, these things take a lot longer, but then, you know, you know better than I do about the Rangers, you know, uh, about how they, you know, how they progressed since the letter came out. They made it unfair for everybody, right? Like they did it so quickly because they got so fucking lucky a hundred times and every team's like, we could do this quickly. Like, no, you have to get a ton of luck. Yeah, you have to. And look, and look at Edmonton. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. my goodness. <laughs> Literally. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's the, the level of frustration. You can't even, I can't even compare it to anything else we deal with down here. Um, So, you know, the Ducks, I, 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 there is a lot of luck. There is a lot of luck. And, and like, like a player like Jamie Drysdale, he's going to be out essentially for the rest of the season. So what does that, what does that do to his development at, at 20? It, it sets him back a year. So if that doesn't happen, he keeps going along and, uh, you know, improving, developing, whatnot, and then, and they're ahead. So he'll be back, you know, even he's not gonna be back to zero, but he's gonna be back to like, you know, quite a bit from where he was. Lisa, I have one more question for you before we get into our FMK, and I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Hearing me, by the way. I'm <laughs> freaking out about that. No. <laughs> no. We have fun Lost here. Lost my Wi-Fi connection. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you can't use that excuse. I want to know, what is your favorite story you've ever written in of all time and why? Of all time? Wow. that That is a... Yeah, of all time, that's really, really hard. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I... Um, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the athletic. Um, uh, there's a player named uh, Gene Carr who um, found out he had, he had a daughter that he, he didn't know about. So, uh, I mean, there's some recency bias. So, and I and I wrote it with Eric Duhacek, and uh, you know, we had we had a three hour interview with Gene, uh, the, the old uh, hangout in, in the valley, and it was really old school LA. And then I'd met the daughter in in Madison, and we had a long dinner at an Italian restaurant, and we're we're still pretty friendly to this day. So um, that's the kind of story I, I like to do. I remember that. That was like the most captivating story I've ever read. Wasn't there something with the Eagles in there too? Oh yeah, yeah he used to hang out. He used to hang out with the Eagles. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. I know who knows about these stories. And like, you know, he was admittedly, you know, parting hard with these guys. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you wonder about the. Yeah, it was it was fascinating. You know, and I think about that. I, I wonder if that goes on now, and I, I, I don't think so, <laughs> where you've got these players hanging out with major entertainment celebrities on, on a regular basis, but it, it, he, he, he was incredible. And, and his daughter, daughter's an, an amazing woman. She's a, she's a, in the health field in, in Madison and, you know, was, was involved in, in taking care of people during COVID. So she's, she's an amazing woman. 
We'll have to link wow. to that story for sure. Absolutely. Lisa, before I'm going to make it, we'll string this out a little bit longer because I have one last question. Um, selfishly, I remember when I was just starting out, like barely even legitimately considered a writer and you were like the first legitimate writer, let alone female writer to reach out to me. And you've always just been so supportive and so amazing. And I feel like everyone on this call, we all get asked all the time, what should a woman who wants to be in sports do? And often we can't be real about that. So I'm just wondering if, you know, we know that it takes a little bit of luck, it takes hard work, but you've been so supportive to women in this industry. Do you have guidelines or suggestions or, or words of, of encouragement for, for any young woman or any woman of any age who wants to get into this industry? You know, I used to be, if I was asked this question maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would probably fall back on, oh, internships, do do the internships at, you know, newspapers. But, but you know, that has really changed. And, you know, and I, and so I think, you know, all three of you on the call have, have taken, you know, different and successful paths. So there's like no one real way to do it. But, but um, I was reading, I was reading a story about a woman um, on Twitter who's, I think her name's Molly Fast. Uh, Molly, I think, Junk, yeah, and she's really a, some you know amassed this big Twitter following, and now she writes for Van, you know Vanity Fair and and, and the Atlantic, um, and, and she's done it in a, in, a, in a different way where she's sort of kind of used social media as a platform to get her 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 name out there. So I I think just be you know be as, as visible as possible. Um, you know take take every opportunity you you can. Um, go on podcasts. Get your camera to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think there's just a lot of different ways ways to do it these days. Um, not just not just one way, but if you do happen to get offered an internship at a newspaper, take it. it, it it's it's a great training ground. I mean, going out and covering high school football and and you know anything. It, it's it's just there's no better training than than those sort of things. Outstanding. All right, Lisa, it's time. Are you ready? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> okay, should we have one of us sample first? I, to... yeah, that's exactly that what I was going to do, Shana. Reading my mind. Um, okay, so Sarah, we're going to have you go first okay. as our FMK role model. Are you ready, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm ready. Okay. All right, so we end every episode with our very favorite game, and that is Fuck, Marry, Kill. So in honor of our esteemed guest... Our Fuck, Mary Kill today gives a little bit of homage to Trevor Zegras. Sarah, Fuck, Mary Kill, The Michigan, Bar Down, or Between the Legs. Go. I am killing Between the Legs because it's so often tried and failed, and it's like, it doesn't count as part of the goal to me. Um, I do love it, and it's fun. I love when Matthew Chuck does it specifically. That's always fun, but it's like... He, it's always the highlight of like, he almost did it. And then he, they don't do it. It's like when you're going for the Michigan, you're probably going to do it. Like, or you don't, you don't try it. So that's when you know you're ballsy. I'm going to fuck bar down because like one of my favorite sounds in hockey of all time is just that clink. Like, it's just so satisfying. It's the closest we get to a swish in the basketball hoop for my basketball fans out there. Uh, that one was shout to producer Jeremy. And I am going to marry the Michigan because it makes people lose their minds for some reason. It's so funny. Like, oh my God, like all the rules are going to have to, I love something, whatever it is, that'll make rules 
debate if they should be changed. And that happened with Svechnikov. I love that Svechnikov, like, he was the guy to do it first in the NHL, and he's just so humble, and there was so much controversy around it and got the people talking. Lisa, you ready, or do you want Shana to go next? I'll let Shana go next. <laughs> okay, Shana, go. Okay, I like, this is making me rethink my answer because I do love the sound of, like, it hitting the bar, but I'm going to kill bar down. Um, it's just a process of elimination. I am going to fuck between the legs. I think it's such a fun move to see. I like to see when it gets pulled off someone like Matthew Kachuk doing it or Hurdle doing it. I love maybe even more than a uh, between the legs goal is a between the legs pass. I think it's like it's so slick. I love to see it even if it's not the primary assist, but you just see that somewhere in a play and it's like it's something that always catches my attention. Um, I will marry the Michigan. I think first of all, I love any offense that goes between behind the net. I think that we need to utilize the area behind the net more because you're going to trick a goaltender. Second of all, I love the threat of it. I think it was Jonathan Huberto last year who it looked like he was threatening it. So you saw defenders kind of thinking, how are we going to change it now that he could do that and he didn't end up doing it, whether he didn't pull it off, but it worked out for them. So I appreciate that. And I like the impact it's having on younger players. I love the clips of these kids trying it girls, boys playing hockey and they're like, we, we saw Trevor Zegers do it and now we're going to do it too. And it's just like, it's going to spark more creativity. I think it's just anything good for the game that's going to be like a different threat, a different weapon to have in your arsenal. And now you see all these kids, you know, I want to see what their version of the Michigan's going to be in 10 years. That shot that we're all like, holy shit, they're pulling this off. Okay. Lisa? Okay, <laughs> hey, I, 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 I think I'm actually ready? ready now. Um, Let's go. <laughs> um, I want to marry the Michigan. Absolutely. I want to marry the Michigan and run off to Desert Island. Um, I, I was, <laughs> I was, I was in the arena when, when Zegers the other day did it and, and, and then it was called back for offsides. And, and I, 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 I was surprisingly so disappointed. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was hurtful. Um, so that, that's one. Um, yeah, I, I have, I, I'm not quite sure what to do with the other two. Um, we could we could kill bar down, um, but but you know I doesn't do we have the ability to pardon it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's so hard about this game. We get either three really good things or three really bad things. It's hard to pick one, but it, it is hard to pick one. And and um, like yeah, f f f between the legs. It, it, it's like yeah, I, I that's let's let's just move let's just move forward. You can you know try it and look supremely stupid. <laughs> When it, when it doesn't work out, but, but like, yeah, this is, this is a very hard game. I wish I had prepped a little bit more, but uh, I, I do want to give bar down a pardon or a reprieve off death row. We like that. That might be the first ever pardon in fuck, Mary kill. Um, I am going to simply to be different. <laughs> I will fuck the Michigan just because it's fun. Right. And no ties, no commitment. Let's just have some fun. Um, and hope that even something even more amazing comes out um, soon. We'll see. But I, I do love it. I just am going to fuck it to be contrarian. Um, I'm going to marry... I'm going to marry... I'm going to marry... Bar Down. Just because it's so classic. It's so, like, pure hockeyness. Um, and I love that. And I will kill between the legs because... Shana, you inspired me. I like the between the legs pass more than I like the between the legs goal. That's just me. I feel like too many, here's what, I feel like too many people try 
the between the legs goal and fail, and it screws up a perfectly good scoring chance. So yep. sometimes yep. let's yes. just exactly. let's yep. just go for the scoring chance, please. And then the flaw with the pass is if the scorer can't finish, then like no one no one cares about nice passes that don't end up in goals, which infuriates me because you can have a gorgeous goal that has a shitty pass to lead up to it, and that's fine. Like we need to respect the passing a little bit more. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well. Lisa, we are so, so honored that you joined us. Um, we, of course, encourage all of our listeners to follow you on social. You're at Real Lisa on Twitter, as long as Twitter's still around. Um, let our <laughs> listeners know where else they can find your work and where else they can hear from you and learn from you every day. Well, thanks for having me. And, and I hope I can come on again. And I, I wanted to ask Sarah about the style rankings. And I was wondering if she's ever going to include sports writers. Oh. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> You would be at the top of the list. I can tell you that right now. Oh, you haven't seen me lately. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a special edition. You haven't seen the, pan- the pandemic uh, sweat uh, sweat bottoms. <laughs> oh, no. Stop Sorry. it. I'm sure you're still as fabulous as ever. <laughs> well, thanks again for having me on. Yeah, I've met the Orange County Register and, you know, a bunch of other papers in the region. And um, yeah, and Twitter, as long as it's still around. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having well, me on. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. And again, all of our listeners, if you aren't already, follow us at two underscore much underscore man. Check us out on our website, the too many men pod.com. Buy our merch. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We love it. And until next time, do your part to make sure hockey is for everyone and be good to one another. Love you. Bye.